Talk Soups and CEOs, episode 20. Two former superintendents who served for a long time talk about crisis management in school districts. Let's get on to it. morning good evening good afternoon whenever it is that you take in your your talk soups and ceos episodes we really do appreciate you listening um if you take a minute to hit the subscribe button in uh on whatever medium you uh you consume your podcasts we'd appreciate that um if you take a minute to hit the star button maybe give us a little five star rating on there we'd appreciate it we appreciate everybody checking in with us. We're Talk Soups is trying to um, get get good news out there right now about what's happening in public schools as everybody tries to respond to coronavirus. Um, we've seen we've seen a bunch of educational leaders take an unprecedented situation and figure out solutions to something that that nobody's ever tried before in a very short period of time, and it's really been nothing short of remarkable that that kids are learning it all right now that kids are getting fed that kids are getting access to district services right now is fantastic um and everybody is to be commended um for all the hard work out there on top of that schools are playing an important role generally speaking in in the response to coronavirus because they are caring for many have been recommissioned to do daycare for the children of those working in hospitals so can't tell you how much we appreciate everything that everyone's doing. Um, so this episode is uh, two, two friends, mentors, advisors to IEI who've helped us kind of craft the, the superintendent professional leadership portion of what we do over the last few years. Tracy Davis, former superintendent in Washoe County School District in Nevada, which is also known as Reno, um, and Dr. Clayton Wilcox, who was superintendent in a few places, but most recently Charlotte Mecklenburg, North Carolina, uh, but also in Washington County, Maryland, and Pinellas County, Florida. Clayton and Tracy uh, talk with me about what it is to be a superintendent in a time of crisis and the kinds of strategies that folks deploy to try to um, get through this stuff. I think you know, we're trying to put out uh, on the podcast just not only stories of what's what's happening out there, but also just share some some ideas, share, give people the opportunity to climb inside the the head of a superintendent running a school district or any educational leader right now, um, and also um, help folks out there think through what it is to be a provider of services and solutions to school districts in a time of crisis like this and how to navigate it. And so that's, that's what we're trying to do. And that's what, what the, this episode does. Um, I also have noted that many of my friends and colleagues out there are for the first time adjusting to home office life. <laughs> and, uh, when I first went, actually, when I still had a, a, a quote unquote real job, when I was working for the subject of episode 19, Larry Berger at Wireless Gen, I converted from a, you know, being in office to being home office and um, 
went through that transition some 13 years ago um, when I had a lot more hair in my head. And uh, so I have some, I actually put out a tweet today. I have some, some, some little tricks of the trade to offer for everybody who's suddenly finding themselves working at home. Obviously, if you can. And I want to say, too, all the Zoom calls I've been on this week, I'm used to everyone's normal Zoom backgrounds. Um, I'm getting to see lovely, you know, plants in people's living rooms and uh, 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 wall decorations. And it's just kind of, it is it is very cool, I will say, to get a, a glimpse into uh, the, the piece of everyone's homes that they're sharing while they're working from home. And it's also there, I mean, some thought has to go into that. You have to think about what, what's going to be my background when I'm on work calls all day. And I've heard tell of, um, you know, spouses trying to negotiate who gets which space and for what reason I'm on the phone and on zoom all day. So I've been sequestered in a guest room. Although you'll hear on some of the episodes I'm doing these weeks that, uh, you know, my, my daughter walks in, uh, the neighbor's landscapers come through, you know, this is, this is a podcast made by a guy running, um, a business that, that gets superintendents and, and partners connected. Um, this is not a professional podcast. I'm not on any podcast networks. I'm not a broadcaster. So, you know, you kind of have to deal with the, the, the bumps along the way. Sometimes the, when I'm in the actual office, uh, the firehouse across the street sends off a whistle, uh, to alert volunteers, there's a rescue call. So, you know, you, if you, if you listen to talk soups, you got to deal with, with, with the, the rough bit around the edges because we're largely in the business of, of connecting people to have discussions about innovative solutions in schools. And, uh, yeah, we, we do this just to try to get the word out about some great work that's happening. So at any rate, so, um, so it's been, it's been great. Everyone who, who we've been meeting with, it's been great to see, um, little glimpses of your, of your home life. I, th- I find it to be a nice little, um, a nice little silver lining of this, of this whole thing. Um, but anyway, so some tips for those of you who are new to home office work, uh, cause I can tell it's stressing some people out. The first thing, and I think this is really important. It's been important for me ever since I started doing home office stuff. Um, you know, even now, by the way, IEI is a, is a teleworking, company we you know I've never wanted geography to limit the ability for us to get great people to join us so um, we have there's three of us and uh, Sarah's in Florida Tiffany's in Maryland and I am on Long Island so we've always worked on zoom and slack um, but you know I do ever since my my daughter was born I did get an office outside the home just because you know the um, they they get home at um, you know after school hours and our work day goes longer so it's just been more convenient to sublet a little room somewhere. So that's what I do. I, I rent an office in a law firm in the middle of town. But um, anyway, still the same thing applies because I am in, on, in the attic, <laughs> the third floor attic of a law firm. So I'm really, I don't really have to see anybody else during the day except on Zoom. Um, and uh, so so my, my tips are, number one, most important, you got to get outside during the day, either you know, walk, run, bike, whatever in the morning, even when our gyms open up again, this doesn't mean that you go to the gym and you're good. Like I think you need, I found that my home office days, even whether it's the end of the day, lunch, um, when it's warm, I go, you know, take a few meetings outside, send a few emails outside. You gotta, just because it's in your house, you gotta have that psychological break. Um, number two, have a ritual around, you know, like, uh, 
1950 I always think about 1950s 60s sitcoms where back then of course it was always on those shows it was always the dad who went to work and came home but now it could be the dad or the mom but that moment of like okay I'm going to work and uh hi everybody I'm home have that ritual it helps me in a great way um to say you know look I'm now I may be walking around the kitchen uh I may be you know you may see me making lunch but I'm at work and then okay and I actually do I I um, so I, I do, I, I have a ritual of like, okay, I'm no longer at work. Now we can talk about other stuff. Um, the third one is the Mr. Rogers principle. I believe in this thoroughly. Um, change when you go to work and when you go home, just like you're going to an office for me mentally, it just, it just, it, it sets the whole mood differently. So, you know, like I, um, I always, you know, get into t-shirt or whatever, when I walk downstairs at the end of the workday and it seems to signal to everybody else, it's more about the other people you live with. So they understand you're no longer at work. Right. And then, uh, my last one. And, and this is, this is important for surviving home office life. I do think it's important that you not just rock the sweats, um, or the pajamas <laughs> when you're working at home. Uh, I know this may seem silly, but, um, you know, when you're on those zoom calls, like the, you know, do your best to be on the camera. I think that that helps you sort of stay accountable to your colleagues or, or anyone else you're talking to your clients or whatever. Um, so I do strongly recommend that you go business up top, um, and whatever you want down downstairs, <laughs> uh, in the summer, I'm known to wear shorts with a, with a dress shirt. Um, you know, you don't have to wear a, a three piece suit or a tuxedo, but um, you know, I think rocking a dress shirt for the guys and the, and, um, you know, whatever the, the lady equivalent of that is, I think is a really good practice for home office. It helps keep me, um, helps remind me that I'm either at work or not at work. So those are just a few of my 13 year, uh, home office tricks. So I hope that helps everybody in this time. Um, it's, uh, you know, there's, there are some fun things about this, obviously, even though it's a very grim, very grim um, outlook out there with all the numbers we're seeing. And, uh, you know, it's it looks more and more like we're, we're not going to be sending kids back to school this year, which is just a, a heartbreak in so many ways. And, and the thing that I'm pivoting my thoughts to and we, we get into it in the discussion with Tracy and Clayton, um, how is IEI going to be part of the discussion about solving this equity problem we have in public schools? Um, it's not for lack of caring, you know, the people, most people who work in public schools care deeply about equity. We have a better shot at closing the equity gap when the kids are in school with us. For some kids out there, I know most people listening to this know this, but just in case I want to go on record and make sure people know that there are, for many kids who go to public school, school day is, is the best part of their day because it's a day when every adult they encounter cares about them and is professionally quite competent and able to help solve their problems and help guide them and advise them on life and academics. But it's a, it's a time of day when there are all these adults who are there to try to help you be successful. And that's the goal of the whole institution. And, you know, there are some kids who live in home environments where that's not always the case. And, um, when that's taken away, gosh, so many, so many challenges. Um, to try to get those kids to sort of continue to learn. And that that's, that's an equity piece. Uh, kids with, with, with special needs learning on devices without teachers around, um, without being, without a, a skilled educator who can redirect and get them back focused. 
um, in home environments, which may or may not be conducive to learning with special needs, uh, kids who struggle with English language, kids who, um, who, who struggle with, with, with any sort of emotional mental health issues, all that stuff, much harder to deal with when kids are not at school. And then of course, the obvious one is the technology, the access to the internet, access to devices, access to, to devices that connect to the internet, um, homes with multiple kids and not enough devices. Gosh, all this stuff is so challenging. Um, we have to figure out a solution as a society. And IEI wants to lead the educational leader portion of this. And, you know, if we have to go talk to legislators and, and uh, you know, whomever we need to, to talk to that this, this model, if we expect kids, because it's not just now that we've been expecting kids to do stuff online at home. Like, most assignments that, you know, people like me who haven't been in, in high school in a while or middle school in a while and are not currently middle school, high school teachers, we don't realize that so much of the instructional stuff is already online. Kids submit stuff online. It's, it's you know, and districts have done a good job of kind of getting devices into kids' hands, but um, we have so much more work to do on this. And this this crisis we're going through is, is really exposing problems that were already there. It's not, these aren't, these aren't new equity problems. So, I hope everyone there listening um, out there will join IEI in being part of the development of solutions to this challenge. And that's, you know, really going to be our focus, aside from helping everybody rebound from it, figure out what to do next. Um, our focus is going to be on crushing that equity gap and um, making sure every kid has access to a great education and all the other related services that schools provide. So um, everyone stay safe out there and, uh, Hope you enjoy the conversation with two just really great, really great people, uh, warriors, champions for for equity themselves in their work, um, uh, Clayton Wilcox and Tracy Davis. Thank you. All right. Good afternoon, or maybe it's good morning when you're hearing this. Welcome back to Talk Soups and CEOs. It's great to be here with two uh, great former superintendents, veterans of running large, complex school systems. We've got Dr. Clayton Wilcox, who most recently was superintendent in Charlotte-Mecklenburg Public Schools in North Carolina, and Ms. Tracy Davis, who was most recently superintendent in Washoe County, also known as Reno and its surrounding area in Nevada, and uh, two great friends, advisors, mentors to me and to IEI. Clayton, Tracy, how are you today? I'm really good. Really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a tough time right now for everybody, but um, I'm glad you guys are both really good. We're all going to try to stay healthy, aren't we? You know, I hope you, do, you two do the same. Well, I think you really have to pay attention to what's going on. You know, you can't be out in the community right now. Most of us, I think, are finding ourselves at home right now. We're, you know, worried about colleagues who are out in the field trying to do the hard work of the day. Um, but, but I think this is a, an opportunity for us to, you know, come together as a, as both as school superintendents and as leaders but also as larger communities. So I, I'm anxious for what this day produces. Yeah, I agree with Clayton. And, you know, um, it's unprecedented times and we want to make sure, I, I know for me and my fellow colleague friends of the superintendents, um, how they navigate through this pathway um, personally and professionally. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, this is a time when, when everything you thought you knew about leadership gets tested uh, for all of us, really. Um, to, so, you know, maybe help. I think it's really hard for anybody, including me. I've not sat in the 
in the chairs and walked in the shoes that you both have um, running a school district. Give us a, give everybody some sense of what do you think, Tracy, you go first. Uh, what do you think is going through the head of a superintendent right now as they try to deal with this and get meals served and figure out how to, how to, you know, get digital delivery of curriculum set up. You know, what's, what do you think's running through their, their minds? Uh, listen, crisis management is something that's tough because you are never exactly fully prepared for whatever that crisis is, um, whether it's a school shooting or there's an emergency flooding. But this is just unprecedented. And I am sure if I was sitting in the seat, you know, I would be having meetings like this one on Zoom with my with my team um, every day, having briefings of where we are in our community Um how are we addressing the needs of our kids um, from an equity standpoint, but also like the basic needs. Like, I think we know we have to tackle the academic piece, but like really like our kids eating, especially when you know that you serve um, a percentage of higher free and reduced lunch students. Um, that weighs heavy on your heart, right? Because does a kid have access to get foods? We know that people are losing their jobs. And then when people lose their jobs, like it's down to the bare, the bare minimum, right? That you, you, As a human, you are worried about mortgage, keeping the lights on, get, you know, putting food on the table. And how do we deploy and help with services? And maybe not directly us to some degree, but how do we connect people in need and how are we working with our community organizations to do that. But I think there are so many things that are going through a superintendent's mind and you just have to work with your team and your community to answer those questions because in situations like this, honestly, it becomes whack-a-mole. You solve one problem um, and then there's something else that comes up that you don't think about and you work through that with your team, right? Yeah. I'm um, talking about homeless kids, right? Like, so, oh. so on top of not eating, like, then you're like, okay, and then I got a homeless kid. And, and so you start with the basic needs first. Clayton, what, what do you think? Uh, take us inside the brain of a superintendent right now. Well, I think right now the, the thing that most superintendents are worried about are just, you know, the, the day-to-day needs, not just of their students, but of their teachers, of their teams. How are they going to survive this and move on to the next thing? I know most of the superintendents that I know are already thinking about, well, what happens when we reopen? How do I have the supplies and materials there? How do I make sure that I have the staffing there to take care of the kids? How do I have the social emotional health team there to help kids who are coming back from crises? But, you know, I I think what I would want to say to superintendents is, you know, this is a once in a lifetime event for most of us. I mean, none of us have lived through it before, Um, you know, but even in that, it's important for those superintendents like myself who have been through crises like school shootings, uh, to know that no two crises are the same and that you just have to react um, in the moment to the crises. Um, I think there are really two things that I would say to a superintendent right now. Is, one is, you know, know that you're going to do the right thing um, and you're going to do it to the best of your ability. You need to know that and you need to believe that. You're surrounded by a leadership team that's going to help you make the right decision. We know you're going to work hard to execute against it. Um, there are going to be people who are going to try to throw stones from the weeds. But at the end, I think most superintendents are driven by the right things. They care passionately about their people. They care passionately about their communities. And they care passionately about you know, the job that they've been entrusted with. So I, I think you know, things are going to be good for most superintendents. Um, the superintendents who are going to struggle with this are the people who are paralyzed by fear and who aren't reacting to the crises. Yeah. And I think you think about taking care of yourself too, like with all that Clayton just said, you wrap that up in 
um, we need you to be here, right? And present for um, the district and your community. And so making sure they're taking care of themselves um, in these situations. And I have a very good friend whose mother passed away last night, right? And so oh. while they are trying to do that work, right? Then they have their own personal situations at home. So they have to stand up and be present and smile um, even in these turbulent times because there are things that are happening to their staff, their leadership team, and maybe even them personally um, with what is going on too. And so balancing that, cause you know, you think about a parent passing away and then you got to stand up at work Monday cause there's a meeting, right? There's an important meeting because right. there's a briefing with the governor or the mayor. And so how do you balance that and how do you continue to take care of yourselves? And dish out some that, you know, super, if, if, if they don't take care of themselves, they can't take care of others. And you know, the, the, the act of taking care of yourself might be something as simple as spending 15 minutes just alone, kind of enjoying the company uh, of yourself, if you will. Um, I, I think the other thing is, you know, that people are losing sight of in some of this is just that superintendents and, and principals to a degree, I think uh, anybody who's in a really a leadership position today, maybe even a, a private sector company, um, they, they have to think about the fact that the, the, the person that they're projecting has to send a kind of a sense of hope. Um, I read something the other day where a superintendent said um, that his job or her job was to be kind of a cheerleader for hope in the community that we'll get through this. Well, that's a heavy mantle to carry, but I think you carry that well when you first have taken care of yourself. Yeah. You know, I've seen some really cool things on Facebook with superintendents every day checking in with their staff and their, and their, and their students and, and being fun and, I've seen read alouds, right? Um, and how do you um, be fresh every day, you know, because all that weight weighs on you and your heart and your mind. And so I think one of the things you said is like, how do you keep it fresh? Like stay fresh and, and take care of, of yourself as you continue to do this work. Because we don't know when this is going to end. Like we, yeah. we don't know where we are. We don't know if this is two weeks, three weeks, four months. Um, when we started this journey, and school shut down. It was like, oh, two weeks, three months. And then it was like, well, maybe August, maybe the school years oh, yeah. aren't coming back, right? Yeah. So every day you wake up being ready for whatever is thrown at you. At the risk of overstepping my bounds, as somebody who runs an organization from an office by myself with a remote team, my little piece of advice to our superintendent colleagues is um, try to keep, you know, I know that for me, I try to keep some of the routines I would keep if I were in an office with a bunch of people. Um, so, you know, like I put on a shirt <laughs> so that uh, when I'm on these, you know, meetings with folks, they can see that I'm wearing a, a decent shirt. Uh, and we've been doing this here at home too. You know, like I, I made my daughter change out of her Supergirl costume this morning before our homeschool session, <laughs> because I just thought she needs to, you know, like that, but I, you know, I worked at home for a long time, but you know, I do have a, a small office now outside the house, but um, you know, the governor ordered us all to stay home. So I'm, I'm here in my guest room, but um, that, that I just, you know, the idea of you don't have to wear a three piece suit every day to, to be on zoom calls. But uh, yeah, I think that does project. I, I feel that when I meet with folks, it's like, you know, I'm legit, I'm in an office um, and I could walk out and lead a meeting somewhere. And um, you know, I think that that, that helps. It helps me stay in the frame of mind that this is different than being at home when I'm, you know, playing with my kid or, you know, 
organizing my garage or whatever I do at home. You know, Doug, it's an interesting point that you make because one of the things I know as a school leader, I used to say to families uh, when they would ask me about homework and things for their kids, I'd say, well, you know, create a space in the house where the student kind of feels like this is a place where you do the work. And I think school administrators would be well reminded right now to remember the advice they give to families. You know, have a place where you do the work. It's kind of like putting on the shirt before you do the Zoom conference. Go to a place where you know it's about work. You can stay focused. You can kind of keep your sanity there um, because things are familiar. Things are stable in that environment. And, you know, you're kind of the master of it. Yeah. I will also heartily endorse that when it's warm, you can wear shorts. <laughs> it's really all you can see on these things is, uh, is the top up. So you never know what's going on downstairs. There you, go. <laughs> you know, I think innovation will be burst too. Like, I think things that... Yeah. Um, couple of my friends were like, we're not, now we're doing a, a book study, right? Like we never had time to do a book study, but now it's like, okay, we, we have these meeting times or what book, what book are we going to read? And um, so we're reading a book and then we all connect on that book once a week um, and hold each other accountable. I think you have to be innovative about the practices that you have in your life too, right? Just not you are at home all day. And, and, and I love that Clayton said you keep a schedule because guess what? I put my three miles in this morning. It's six o'clock still, right? Um, and I'm keeping yep. to schedule because if you don't, right, you just fall into, you don't know what day, you just get into the muddy grubs, right? So keep a schedule. I, I do some things every day, every night. I write out the schedule for the next day, like who I'm going to talk to, what am I going to read? Like, there's time for TV, um, but there's time for games. There's time for talk. Like keep those things going in your life. When you said, Tracy, that you wrote out a schedule, I thought you were being... Um flippant or metaphorical, but you posted on, on social media that the actual schedule that you write out, you know, then you were doing a class on the weekends. It was like 5 a.m. because it was an East, Eastern time zone class. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, there she goes. 5 a.m. Oh, look at that little nap, little yeah. exercise. I, yeah. I'm part of a Howard Urban Academy and I, I totally forgot, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm going to be there like eight o'clock. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's five o'clock by the time, but it's it was rough. so early. Um, but people were engaged. Right. And so I, I do, I posted my schedule. Here's what I'm doing today. <laughs> like, yeah. That's great. No, that that's good. Uh, that's good advice. Yeah, you know, we always talk. Everybody I have on here who's um, uh, either a super or you know running something, one of our partner organizations, we always talk about like, what do you do to get ready for the day? It's been sort of a little theme of our all of the episodes we've talked about what you do to get ready for a day, um, and that has been tough to keep up as we've all transitioned. But I'm I started today off more like a normal week. Went for a little jog. It was great. And I feel just so much better ready for the week. So I, yeah, that, that's good advice for everyone as much as you can, you know, and I know how superintendents are. You guys are, are freaks. You, you, you just, you have an, an immense ability to just get up earlier, no matter how early you have to get up for your real job, then you get up an hour early to get your, your steps in or get in your treadmill or whatever you're doing. So, um, you know, I've always appreciated about how hard you folks work. But let's let's pivot off what you just said, Tracy. You just talked about innovation and people are trying new things. I mean, I think my wife is downstairs right now operating Google Hangout um, for the first time in her <laughs> life with her students, right? Like how amazing. Um, what I'm concerned about, and I know you both are too, this innovation is going to leave some kids much further behind than it would if they were in the physical school building every day because a lot of our district friends have been really kind of pulling have been have been fighting the fight uh on equity to make it a more equitable instructional experience and that's a little easier to do when you're in the same physical building every day um because you can control the 
factors. You can control the internet speed coming in. You can control with a budget, do a bond, buy devices. So um, what's really terrifying to me is how many kids may get left behind temporarily. And then we have to, as a, as an industry and as district leaders and partners, we have to very quickly come up with solutions that break down the barriers to solving that equity problem. And I'm sure you're hearing about it from your colleagues, but you know, and you know the work better than any, both of you. So what are you learning and thinking about right now around the equity issue? Well, Tracy, I'll let you begin because I have a few things I'm going to say. Doug may shut the podcast off when I talk. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, at the basic level, right, when you start talking about employing digital strategies from home to students, for teachers um, to students, um, there's an equity issue. And not just with the kids. There's an equity issue with teachers. I was reading on Facebook where a teacher was super upset because she didn't have the tools, the personal tools at home to do what the district was asking her to do because she's a first year teacher, right? She does, she's not married. She doesn't have that kind of money. And she's like, I don't even have a laptop that will do that kind of work. So when we talk about equity, right, we're not just talking about equity for what's happening with kids in their situations. We're talking about the same kind of equity for our teachers and, and, and our employees. Um, and then when you look at the student side of that, Um, Everybody doesn't go to the same household. Everybody doesn't have the same thing. And so who gets left behind when receiving instruction, Um, especially in some cases where we're asking our parents to to be their teachers. Um, And and God bless America. There are some smart people. Um, But I know I have friends that are just as smart as me and, and they can't deliver instruction the same way. Um, Somebody was, and I I gave this example of converting a improper fraction um, to um, a mixed number. And my friend called me, Hey, how do you do this? She's like, what? Smart person. Right. But then they asked me about cosine and tangent. I was like, well, wait a minute, let me go on Khan Academy. I mean, because there's going to be gaps depending on the level of your child, right? If you have a kindergartner in your room and you know, you don't know about blending and chunking and sounding out words and, and, or maybe you're at, at the high school level and it's science. So when you think about equity, no one person can give everybody what they need. And so how do we ensure that ki- all kids are receiving an equitable um, education when we are trying to employ these things digitally? And, and I don't think there's an answer, right? Like, cause we never had to do this. This is this right. uncharted territory, right? And we have to do it quickly. And um, I had Larry Berger from Amplify on, uh, which I haven't released the episode yet, but I will this week. And one of the things he said that I appreciated, he was like, everybody needs to give themselves a break right now and not be so hard on themselves because this is all happening so quickly. And parents, teachers, everybody, we're all figuring it out, which I appreciate. Um, but I want to make an open call before Clayton, I let you say your thing. I want to make an open call to any hardware providers that can get devices with, with internet connectivity through LG or, or LTE or 5G, I forget what it's called, but basically that allows you to use it on your phone without connecting to a Wi-Fi. Somebody out there should be the hero and figure out a way to um, get devices into kids' hands and hopefully try to make money later. Some hardware provider needs to be doing that. And, uh, you know, these, I know states are starting to look at trying to acquire those devices. But if we can figure that out and if we have to be out of school for, for a long period of time, there's no way around that hardware issue. But that hardware issue, if we solve it, can be the difference between a kid learning for the next six to 12 months or not. You know, Doug, I think that that's critical and it's a great segue for me because I think not only the parents have to become heroes, I think there are other people who are going to have to really rethink this whole hero business because 
quite honestly, I, I think that one of the great challenges, um, it's interesting here we're talking about equity and I just got a sign that came up that said my internet is unstable right now. Me too. Um, <laughs> I got the same thing. I, it might be, okay, I mean, well, we're, well, we're well, just for those listening, we're on Zoom and I know that Zoom is getting really overloaded as more people like my wife figure out how to use it for the first time, but uh, we're doing our best. So I think well, you're good so, now. So I think, Okay, so I, I think, you know, the thing that I, that I want to say in all of this is we do need heroes to step up. We need people to provide devices because, quite honestly, those kids who are already far behind are in jeopardy of becoming further behind. And let me give you but one example of that. You know, I was reading an article this morning talking about first-year college freshmen and talking about young people that are getting ready to graduate from high school this year who now can't take the SAT, can't take the ACT in the traditional formats, perhaps, who now are going to not be able to complete some of the courseware that they need to, to go off to college or university. If they miss this window because of the coronavirus, because of COVID-19, might they ever go back to college? Might they ever go back to trade school? Might they ever go back? And I, I really think that, you know, as superintendents start contemplating, you know, coming back, they're going to have to figure out how do we accelerate learning for some of the kids that were furthest behind to begin with yep. in order for us to be successful. Otherwise, the long-term effect of this is going to be to create almost a permanent underclass of kids. And right. I know people say, oh, it's one year, Clayton, it's six months, it's three months. But the reality is when you have about 10 to 15,000 kids in a large urban district yep. that are not going to move through in a way that you anticipated them to, I think you create a real problem for a community. And when you create problems for communities, you create problems within states or regions. We create problems within states or regions, you create national problems. And so I think we've got to really think about what we're going to do for the kids that are furthest behind, because quite honestly, at the heart of equity is doing more for those who have less. We've got to break down some of the things that are kind of institutionally bound in organizations where, you know, everybody gets treated equally. We can't treat people equally. We've got to treat people with equity right now. Um, and I think, you know, that's going to keep a lot of my superintendent colleagues awake at night. But it also demands that some of our private sector companies, friends, do some things differently in how they price the units that they have, how they price the products that they have, yeah. getting it into the hands who need it the most. Clayton, I think one of the most important things you said is like how it's going to impact the future, right? It's not about year one, year two, year three, but those students who are on their way to college and who might not go back to school and what, what, do, what happens to that generation, right? Yeah. Do you think there is a, a good outcome that could be, that could happen here where um, whenever, whenever I've heard you, Tracy, or you Clayton talk about equity, one of the things I come away with is, is the idea that districts have to spend more on the kids who need more when we're talking about dollars. And that's something that Jess Gartner at All of You has been a real champion of, and she's, you know, got tools that can back that up and help districts actually do that. Um, this might help help that happen because if you got some kids who can be, let's say we have to be out for you know the rest of the school year, so some kids who can be self directed and learn on their own a little better, maybe they get a little more help at home, maybe they're more comfortable with this sort of way of learning. So teachers may not need to spend as much time on those kids, which may free up some time to spend a lot more time, like the kid you got to call every day and get him to sort of to focus in or get them in on a one-on-one -on -one zoom call or something like maybe this, this frees us up to do that because there isn't a classroom of 24 kids to manage. I don't know that that could be pie in the sky stuff, but if we, if districts are thinking about it and are, and if they're able to kind of 
make that pivot, maybe this helps get them to have more resources spent on the kids who need it most. I hope that's an outcome, but you know, I'm already hearing people talk about the fact that this is proving that we don't need public schools. And yet I would argue that this has demonstrated to me that public schools are more a centerpiece of our communities and the fabric of our life than anybody ever anticipated. So, you know, I think we've got to be careful how this gets messaged because I absolutely agree with you. It could be a turning point in how we view individualized instruction within the schools. But I think we have to understand that schools are central to our republic. They're central to our form of government, our democracy, having a set of common experiences. I hope that that's one of the things that's driven from this is that, you know, a, a great nation needs a network of public schools. Well, I, I got to tell you, so I work on Twitter and I parent and friend on Facebook and all of my parent friends of young kids are loving their teachers more than they ever have right now. And as Jess Gartner from all of you tweeted the other day, this is the time to get your bond passed because nobody loves their teachers more than they do right now as they're trying to figure out how to do it and figure out how hard it is. I hope that's true. Yeah. I want to piggyback on something Clayton said. We, we were having this discussion during our class yesterday um, about there is this movement around there is no need for public schools maybe, right? Um, and I am 100% in agreement with Clayton. We have to be careful about how we message this because that's not true. That's just not true. Um, and so we have to figure out um, the correct message and how we navigate through these waters and the balance of that because we know that the cornerstone of education have been public schools. Um, and I'm not going to get on my rant, but I, I was reading this quote by Thomas Jefferson. But inside this quote, he actually talks about at that time when they were schooling, it was meant for white males, right? That is what school was meant for. Um, that's not where we are today. But what would happen if we decided no more public schools? Then we're going to create another class of people, right? Oh, and yeah. public schools have been the cornerstone. Um, education has been the way out for so many, so many students to, to achieve. And that has been a public education. Absolutely. You know, it's one of the things that has haunted me a little bit in this discussion that not just that we've been having right now, but kind of the larger discussion around the COVID-19 is that this is the new normal. I, I absolutely think we have to resist that kind of language because this can't mm -hmm. be normal. No. Going around isolated from each other, um, you know, learning what you can teach, getting what you can get, that can't be the new normal. We have to be better than that. Um, you know, we are better together. I don't think that's cliche. I think it's true. Yeah. Um, so it's my hope that we turn this thing and we, we're careful about the messaging. We're careful about the language we use um, and that we celebrate the heroes among us. I mean, there are some great principals or great innovative teachers. I watched something on the internet the other day where a group of teachers from a school got together in their own cars and paraded through a neighborhood so the kids could see them in the neighborhood. It was the coolest thing in the world to think that Very cool. you know, kids are standing on the street applauding their teachers driving by. You know, Doug, maybe you are right. Maybe this is the time to get your bond passed. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think we've got to attend to the, those things that are really true. Yeah, I, I just, you know, none of us have answers right now because everybody is in triage mode to get kids, you know, as much instruction as they can and get the meals. And, you know, what about all the mental health services that districts have been providing? Right. Um, you know, our, our friends over at Hazel, um, they're that that podcast app will be episode will be released i think today uh, we had a panel of kind of industry partners um and john welch the superintendent out of puget sound esd one of our members and advisors uh we talked about 
things that some of the companies are trying to do, you know, so, so Hazel's able to provide telemedicine to school mm-hmm. districts and now they're going to be able to do it at all the food delivery stations that districts are setting up. They'll mm-hmm. have a, you know, they're willing to give any district a Hazel telemedicine station for free. Um, but you know, these, these services that families rely on from their districts, um, you know, they're so important. Um, and you know, everyone's trying to figure figure out how to keep those things going. And then I think in a few weeks we have to, we can't wait too long. We have to quickly turn to the, to the question, to the equity question, because the longer we're out of school, the longer the kids who, um, who, the longer the equity gap will, or the wider the equity gap will grow. And that's, what's really scary for those of us, you know, many of us, certainly everyone at IEI, we care about it and we want to help convene the discussion by zoom if we have to (laughs) about how this, how we can solve it. Um, That's sort of how we think, what we think our role is in this. Um, well, good. What are, what are some, you know, um, we talked a little bit about kind of strategies for, for surviving this. Maybe you, you each can share something that, um, you know, not that anything can convert, can compare to the coronavirus crisis we're all in right now, but you know, the one thing we don't know about this crisis is how it ended. You've both been led districts through tough times at certain points can you share something, uh, a lesson you learned from your own crisis management sometime when you were uh, in the superintendent chair and any, any kind of good lessons learned that came out of that, that you're, you know, I'm sure your colleagues are calling you right now asking you for advice on this or that. So tell us what, what you're sharing with folks. Well, Doug, I'll begin and I'll go back to something I said early on in the podcast. I think, you know, as a superintendent or as a leader, you have to know that um, you're going to do the right thing and you're going to do the right thing to the best of your ability. I think you've got to have an unshakable faith, particularly when that faith is informed by other thoughtful leaders who you are in contact with. But then I would also say this, you know, in all the crises that I have been a a leader of, um, well, I haven't been a leader of the crises, but, you know, leader through the crises. Right. You have to be a communicator. You, you have to be someone who people know is an honest broker of information. And so I think you begin by telling people what you know, um, admitting what you don't know, and then saying that when I have answers to those things that I don't know, I'm going to come back and tell you. And you can expect to see me back on and then name the day. Um, so I really think that being a communicator through all of this um, telling the things that you know, factually, not the things that you think you know, but the things that mm-hmm. you really know. Yeah. Honestly, admitting to what you don't know. And then finally saying, I'll be back with answers to those things that I've out, I, that I didn't know. Yep. I think my governor is putting on a leadership clinic right now. Governor Cuomo sends us an email every night with a ton of information. Yeah. Getting, getting emails from our, we get emails from our, our daughter's kindergarten teacher every day, the district every couple of days that, you know, I do worry on the equity front. I do worry that some aren't getting those messages, um, you know, because I'm plugged in technologically. I think people who work with their hands all day who aren't on devices may miss some of that stuff and may be overwhelming. So that concerns me. There are probably different strategies about how to communicate with those families that people who've researched this more than I. Well, can I think, share. Doug, I think that's part of being a leader is knowing that you have to communicate through di- different media. You know, here in Charlotte, one of the things I had to do was go on to some of the Spanish language channels um, because I 24% of my kids were Latino kids. Um, I couldn't just go to the traditional media because a lot of those parents wouldn't have seen it. Um, you know, you talk about going to the newspaper, talking to the editorial board. Well, a lot of people don't take the newspaper anymore. So not only do you go to the electronic media, 
uh, you have to go where people are. So if people are on AM radio, you go to AM radio. And I think that's how you begin to reach people is, you know, the email blasts are great for people that are connected. The Twitter blasts yeah. are great for people who are connected. But you've also got one of the non-traditional, which were once traditional media, radio and television. Well, and email is now almost in that category. Email is sort of out with people under 40, um, yeah. you know, maybe under 35. But um, so I think that's that's an interesting development. But, you know, it's I do appreciate that, I, that I'm able to read all that stuff. But, um, yeah, so how like. How much communication is too much is a question because um, you don't want to say things that you don't know to be true. Um, you know, but I mean, I, I guess, you know, press conferences should get the information out to whatever media are available, right? You, know, and I think you have to balance that um, in your district, in your situation, right? Like you don't want to be sending out stuff every day, right? But you want to make sure that you are giving people information and being transparent. I just want to piggyback on like kind of what you all just said about being communicators, being transparent with information, saying when you don't know. I think you have to wrap all that up in you're not going to make everybody happy in whatever decision you make, right? You know that as a leader and how many decisions you've made, especially during crisis management, that there are people who don't like the answer because they think you should do it one way or the other way. Like you got to put that in the reserves, right? As, as Clayton say, you are smart. We make good decisions for our kids in our districts with a team of people. Um, and sometimes people don't understand every decision you make and why you make it because you can't share all that. Um, but knowing that everybody's not going to be happy with every decision, but you have to make decisions um, and tough decisions sometimes in a time where you have to lead and be okay with knowing that you made the right choice based on your situation, the information that you have and how you're processing it with that team and your community. I mean, you said it earlier, Clayton, you got to have, you got to have faith in what you're doing. Others might call that a gut, you know, you got to have the fortitude in your gut to know that you're trying to do the right thing and, um, you know, and that you can't make everybody happy. That's, that's certainly true. Um, all right. So just as we kind of wind toward the end, this has been a great discussion. Thank you both for making time. Uh, if you were both superintendents right now, there's no way we'd be talking because <laughs> you'd be way too busy, but appreciate you sharing your, your insights for those who are still in those jobs. Um, so, you know, um, I, you know, let's dish out a little bit of hope. What, what can you say to, to your friends and colleagues still in the job? You know, if they were to call you and ask you for, for advice, um, you know, what, what, what kind of final thoughts do you have for them? Listen, for me, I, listen, I think humankind is resilient, right? And we learn through um, the things that and challenges that we go through. And there are going to be dark spots, right? There's going to be hills to climb, um, but also there's going to be learning opportunities and we're going to still do amazing things for students in the community. And so take a deep breath um, and get through it day by day, right? Like nobody knows what tomorrow is. Nobody knows what information is going to come out in two weeks. Um, but what we know is seize the day today to do what's right for kids and know that you're making great decisions as we trek on this unknown journey. You know, I used to talk a lot to um, my administrative teams and I would kind of play on a phrase. Everybody's heard the phrase carpe manana, you know, seize today. Well, I'm a Mexican-American, and so I used to say carpe manana, which is seize tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's where we are as a, as a 
country. We've, we've got to look ahead. You know, we are facing some dark times right now. Yeah. But we also see in those dark times some tremendous opportunity. Yeah. Um, you've identified some of them, Doug. We're going to be able to look at how we teach differently. A lot of teachers have gained some new skill sets with technology that they didn't have even a month ago. A yeah. lot of school systems have now realized that they can mass mobilize and feed thousands and thousands of families and children almost overnight. Many mm -hmm. people have found new partnerships through business and industries, through community <laughs> agencies that they didn't have before. So I think there is a silver lining to all of this. I would say to folks who are colleagues, remember that, you know what, this community is counting on you, project an image of stability and calm, um, but take care of yourself as well. Make sure that you're, you're, you're telling things uh, to your community that will, I think, engage them, but also motivate them to be a better version of themselves. Great. Can I say, this is, I, and this is just like, you still have to have fun, right? Like you have to find ways to have fun. And a couple of days ago, one of my good friends, the soup in Kansas City, sent me a text, like virtual happy hour, like, right? Like it was after hours, like, how's it going? Encourage each other. Oh, yeah. Like, don't forget that piece. It might look differently now because you can't physically meet somebody at a bar or see somebody at a conference, but like, let's get on a zoom or get in the, in, in the chat thread and just like yeah. be friends and support each other because you never know what somebody is going through personally or professionally during crisis management. And let's not forget about supporting each other as we do that. Well, you both are invited to my, my industry friends, Monday night, 7 PM Eastern. Uh, I call it the, well, I, I call it the, what are we going to do? Happy hour. <laughs> sort of like, it's mostly just providing moral support to each other. And uh, we'll, we'll set one up for our, for our, for our IEI members here in a few weeks. This is not the right time, but we right. will just, just as a chance to connect socially and personally, because that, that stuff's important. We spent all weekend on zoom calls with, with our, our kids, friends and, and our friends and their kids. And I'm sure you all are doing the same. Um, maybe the last thing, let's close this out. Cause I do think a lot of our friends um, on the, on the, industry side are trying to figure out what to do. And I've had, I've been asking everybody I know to share their advice to our corporate partners. What, what's the best way to help and support our, our district partners as we all go through this? Maybe Clayton, you can go first. How, how should they behave? What should they do not do? I think what I would say is respect the fact that the superintendents and, and the leaders within the district's primary concern right now is the safety and security of their kids. I think stick away, stay away from the pitch right now. If you've got a service that you can provide pro bono, offer it. But know that the superintendent's eyes and time right now are spent somewhere else. Uh, the time will come for you to rush back in and provide the kind of support and services that you've developed over time. But for now, I'd say be respectful of the fact that superintendents are navigating waters that they've never navigated before. Tracy. I think I echo those same words as Clayton. And when, I, I, this is a short story, so you all may not know who's listening, that I actually live in Las Vegas. And so to see the strip desolate is insane. Like to look at like these places where there's throngs of people day in, day out, especially during spring break. And one of my friends texts me and he's like, I love the Vegas commercial. That's or when you live in Vegas, you don't see the commercial. And the commercial is simply saying, when we come back, we'll be ready for you. It's not, hey, buy this deal up front, and when we come back, you'll get it. It is a, 
a kind of a story to me of like hope we'll get through this too like we got through 9-11 and when we come back we'll be here for you so i think our vendors should do the same thing and i've seen let me just i've seen some beautiful letters from vendors that they are hey this is going on we're here for you how can we support you and as clayton said like it's the safety and healthy uh, uh, safe and health of our, our students and our community so dump the sales pitch right like that yeah. is turn off for sure but just like this and, is the time of how can we help you we and just spare, want to help. yeah thanks and I, i've been telling people spare the inbox the inbox needs to be for urgent stuff right now so if you don't have a relationship really not a good time and throw away lock the door and throw away the keys to your mailchimp account right now that's out the window for at least a couple of months, who knows how long this is going to go on. So um, thanks to you both for sharing your thoughts on that. Just appreciate both of you and uh, all the, the help and advice you've given to me and us over the years. And uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for being on Talk Soups. Thanks Thank for having me. All right. All righty, there you have it. Episode 20, Clayton and Tracy, thank you so much. If you like what you're listening to, please do subscribe to Talk Soups. You can visit us on Twitter at IEI underscore K12, www.instituteforedinnovation.com. IEI is doing virtual one-on-one meetings between partners and our member superintendents this spring, now in April. Uh, if you want to sign up, get in touch with us and find out how to do so. Um, a lot of our members are really itching to get back to some some normalcy now that, you know, it's not that things are settled down, but, you know, to some extent there there aren't as many in-person activities to go to at school. Um, and so I think, and there are less people around. So so engaging with, with our network has been um, a, a, welcome, a welcome thing for a lot of our folks. So if you want to get involved, uh, these are starting now. So get in touch with us. Email Doug at instituteforinnovation.com and we'll get you connected. All right. Thanks, everybody. And uh, stay healthy. Stay home. Let's flatten this curve and let's get this thing over with. Take care. Bye.